So I listened to these stories and it, it just kind of struck a chord to me where as uh, an Anishinaabe person, myself, Ojibwe, I needed to be doing more than what I was doing, which was nothing. And I wanted to give my kids something that I didn't grow up with. Hello, welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us. Native Lights is, at its core, a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Every week we have wonderful conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. We're talking musicians, artists, community leaders, you name it. And they all have a wondrous mixture of passions. And uh, we talk to them about their gifts and how they share their gifts with the community. And it all centers around finding purpose and amplifying Native voices. And we are continuing that mission today. Leah, how you doing? I'm doing well, Cole. Thank you. How are you? Great, great. You know, I hear there's some Wi-Fi issues in your house right now. There are. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go fix them by uh, rebooting our router just like we should, because I know that from the internet. Show must go on. So, Cole, you know, w- with my internet being out, I'm just going to move forward. Yeah. <laughs> move move forward, be strong, and go straight to our interview today. Wayne Soames, he's, he was recommended by a great person in Minnesota, and I just want to say... People can recommend mm-hmm. awesome Native folks Please. if they want to hear them on Native Lights. Please do. So, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, minnesotanativenews.org, we're there. We're, we are open to suggestions. So um, I think Wayne is a great person, and he is the tribal liaison for Mahabe Atwa Community Action Partnership, and he leads strategies to build inclusive and equitable approaches to Upward Economic Mobility for Low-Income Native People in Northwest and West Central Minnesota. He's a citizen of the Sault Ste. Marie Tribe of Chippewa Indians, and he's a graduate of Kendall College. So super stoked to talk to him today. Yeah. So yeah, hello everybody. My name is Wayne Soames. I'm uh, from originally from the Upper Peninsula, uh, Sioux Ste. Marie, Michigan, um, but today I am de- in Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. How are you doing? How is the family doing? Uh, yeah, uh, everyone's doing well. Um, wife's at work. Kids are at daycare. We just actually we came. Um, my three-year-old and I we just got back from um, Porky's Sugar Bush down in Maple Plain, Minnesota. So went and experienced a little a little bit of uh, traditional maple maple sugaring uh the old-fashioned way which was great um so he really enjoyed that and um yeah it was wonderful great weather for it too what was his favorite process or what was his favorite getting, part of that whole situation getting to eat it eat the, uh, <laughs> yeah of course there the, you go. the maple the maple taffy um you know he he got to play quite a bit in the snow so he, he enjoyed that but he also um got to kind of stir the the boiled down stuff and he helped stir that into uh maple sugar um so he did he did enjoy that it's the most delicious time of year 
So Wayne, how are you doing and what is on the top of your mind? Yeah, so I'm I'm doing great. Um, you know, the, the thing that's always on my mind and and you know what I'm always thinking about thinking about is uh Ojibwe language and and you know um find finding different avenues to learn it, um, to share it, to speak it. Um here at home my my kids don't know a ton. Um you know, they, I think they understand more than they can actually speak. Um, but I, I try to use it as much as I can here at home. Um, hopefully one day, um, they want, they would like to pick it up and, and, and kind of carry the language on. You know, I, I currently am a, I'm a teacher assistant for Dennis Jones, Paybami Benes at uh, Bemidji State University. Paybom. Um, helping nice. help, Yeah. Yeah. Helping him out, uh, teach that the class while, um, Anton Troyer is away in sabbatical. Um, so, you know, uh, tonight I have a, a language table, um, with a group that, that I met through a different class and we've been working through Paybomb's book. So, um, so kind of, th- kind of thinking about that as well. And yeah, you know, I, you know, I hopefully one day would, would like to be a, uh, I, w- I don't want to say fluent, but a, a proficient Ojibwe speaker. And, and most of my day is spent <laughs> thinking about that and different words to learn and, um, how to how to pass that on as well. Well, that's really great. Um, let's see. So, can you talk a little bit about language then, and what you're doing? So you're you're helping out. Is there a a place that you are with it? Is there a relationship that you have with it right now that you're exploring and feeling out? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's very much a love hate. Um, no, no, it. Uh, you know, I, I like I said, I, I, I help pay bomb out there. I do um, a, a language table Monday nights with a group of folks. Every every Tuesday, I work for Mahabi Atwa Community Action Partnership. Um, every Tuesday, I teach a small group of coworkers there, um, the language. Um, I'm currently enrolled over in um, Ojibwe Motadi Da. Uh, over in Cloquet, Minnesota, which is a an adult Ojibwe immersion program. Um, so it's you know there, there's some really good days where I feel like I'm picking it up and it, it's everything's going great and I can understand most everything that I'm hearing. But then there's some days where you know it, it's it sounds completely new to me and I don't <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing and um, you know I don't know why I made this decision to start learning this uh difficult language but but it you know and everyone keeps telling me it, it's a lifelong process and there's going to be some really tough tough parts of it but um if it's something that you want you'll get there and, and just keep plugging it away and, and that's what we keep doing so um yeah there's some some good days and some bad days for sure with it. well how about we transition over a bit to Mahabi Atwa and can you give us a bit of an overview of what Mahabe Atwa is? Yep. So I work for Mahabe Atwa uh, Community Action Partnership. Um, we are a nonprofit. Um, you know, we offer several, we have several programs and offer several services, um, Head Start, weatherization, housing, elders programs, um, you know, and, and we're looking to work with low-income, low-income folks. And providing providing programs to help them achieve self sufficiency. Um, 
we cover a five county region and that's kind of what our, our name our our name is the acronym of all those counties so going in order it's Monoman, hubbard becker otter tail and wadena counties so uh what um you're serving uh, low-income you know, uh, Native folks. What are some of the more common challenges for these uh, these individuals that you, you see, that you experience? We, we serve all, all low-income. My role specifically, and, and this is a, a pretty new role to us, I've only been in, in it about, about nine months. And, and right now, just the, I think the, the biggest issue and the biggest challenge there is with serving the Native population is just that relationship. Um, between because we're still looked at very much as like a, a governmental organization and just that history and that trauma. Um, just that relationship um, with the native population and not even, you know, a lot of people up in Monoman County not even knowing about Mojave Atwa um, and some of the services just because a lot of the services they can receive that we that we provide. A lot of those tribes already provide those same services. Um, you know, but there are some additional things that Mojave Atwa can do um, that some of the tribes don't have funding for or, or don't don't provide um, to their to their citizens. What makes Mojave Atwa unique then? What are some of those services that they can that you can provide that a tribe doesn't? Yeah, so we there's a there's a program we help we have called uh, through the Elders Program, and I can't remember exactly it's called the rsvp and so what it does you know it allows elders to um to sign up for a program um if they're doing any type of volunteer work anything like that they can sign up through this program um where they they get mileage to the place where they're volunteering at um while while on site they receive insurances that so they're they're covered while they're on site working volunteering um, so yeah, that's something that, that we can do that I don't think whiter or some of the tribes around us ha- have that opportunity. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Wayne Soames, a citizen of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians and tribal liaison for Mojave Atwa Community Action Partnership. In his role, he works on outreach, tribal collaboration efforts, Ojibwe education, and increasing cultural practices. He leads the strategy at the organization to have an inclusive and equitable approach to upward economic mobility for Native communities in Northwest and West Central Minnesota. So a lot of your work, like you mentioned, is around building relationships with you know, Native communities, Native folks in your region. What does it take to build relationships? So for the past nine months, I've been doing a lot of calling and emailing and just trying to set up um, one-on-one meetings with a lot of different folks who are either, you know, prominent people in the community. Um, Maybe they're a manager of a certain program that we can collaborate with potentially. Know, these different leaders in, in communities and maybe spiritual leaders. So I've just been trying to meet with these folks at least one meeting a week, sit down for an hour and just, you know, um, tell my story, tell, tell them what I'm trying to do, but then also listen to their story um, 
what they what they need in their community, what they want in their community, um, and just trying to get a feel of of where they're at and seeing if I can do anything to support them um, within their community and just slowly start to build the relationship that way. Um, I got a really great piece of advice kind of going into this role. Um, and actually, uh, Dr. Troyer told me this, and, and he said, you know, in order to go fast, you need to go slow. Um, so that's what I've been kind of following these past nine months and just slowly, you know, meeting these folks, just slowly building these relationships. Uh, and for example, um, the Natawash community, their elder sewing program, um, their elder sewing group there, they needed a couple more ironing boards and some extension cords. And it's a small thing to do, but we were able to get some money and we purchased those for them and, and dropped them off. And um, yeah, just trying to, you know, do the small things to, to build those relationships. I appreciate that advice so much. I think it can be really tempting to rush, to rush into relationship to, you know, for, for everyone's benefit, you know, and when in reality, building relationships takes time, just like anybody else building trust um, and making it comfortable. So I would trust another person or invite them over to my house or, you know, something like that. Um, so that's great advice. And that was, in order to go fast, go slow. Am I paraphrasing correctly? Yeah. No, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> that yeah. was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I jotted it down, but <sighs> you never know. Um, but yeah, that's great. How did you gravitate towards this role? Like, what do you think your, in your background has helped you uh, tackle this role? Yeah, so so my, my background, what I went to school for and did all that stuff for is early childhood. And I, um, you know, I, I, I worked for my tribe's early child care program. I had to start program back home. Uh, so moving over here, I was, I was doing some head start work and, and doing some, ended up doing some coaching um, for early child care programs, um, child care centers. And I was working a lot with the um, tribally licensed programs up, up around, up in, around our area. And I was sent to this, uh, it was an indigenous languages revitalization seminar um, workshop in, in November of 2019. And, and prior to this, you know, I didn't grow up traditionally and, you know, I'd been to powwows, but never been to ceremony, didn't, do, didn't really do anything um, in, the, in the Anishinaabe realm. And, you know, I went to this the seminar and I listened to you know all these folks for the first time in my life hearing like fluent Ojibwe's being spoken. Um I listened to all these firsthand accounts of these elders, you know, talking about their time in boarding school and 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 what happened. And this was a, a week before my first child was going to be born, uh, Beckett. So I listened to these stories and, and it just kind of struck a chord to me where, you know, as uh, an Anishinaabe person myself, Ojibwe, I need to I needed to be doing more than what I was doing, um, which was nothing. And I wanted to give my kids something that I didn't grow up with, right? So I told myself after that, all right, I'm going to learn Ojibwe, and you know it's going to be great. I'm going to teach my kids. Then my son was born, and first time parent, it was very difficult. <laughs> 
So I didn't actually learn Ojibwe right away. Um, you know, it it took me a year to kind of get into it, but I did learn to introduce myself. And I and I did that um at a at a uh you know our a work a work meeting we were doing. Um and my executive director was pretty impressed and was like, Oh hey, you wanna teach some staff how to speak Ojibwe? And this is back when I didn't know anything yet. Or, you know, I still don't know anything, but when I knew less. And I was like, yeah, sure, let's try it. And I kind of had to force myself to um like learn it a lot quicker to be able to teach it. And and so then I was doing that and we got because of that work, she invited me to this impact project where we took one, we looked at, you know, one barrier our community was facing. And we addressed that barrier and we figured out what are we going to do? And so the barrier we looked at was, you know, of all of the people in our five county area um, who are eligible for our services, you know, 25% of those people are Native American, but we were only serving 7% um, Native American. So we were looking at, you know, how can we get our services out to the um, Native community more? And we tried some different things and, you know, we didn't really, we weren't very successful. We were trying to gather stories and, but then kind of realizing we don't really have access to Native people. Um, you know, this role started to get talked about and, and bounced around. Well, what if we have someone specifically just to work with the tribe and work with, you know, those Native folks? And, um, and that's, yeah, that's kind of how we, how we got here. So, um, you know, I, I talk about, language is always on my mind but then I, I think about like all the things that languages language has given me you know, this role you know a ton of relationships um so it's a long-winded story sir no that was great are people pretty receptive to Mojave Atwa and their interest in helping native communities and native folks in your region yeah yeah you know I think there's some initial um hesitation um, kind of going back to, you know, Anishinaabe, Ojibwe, just in, indigenous people, history and trauma. And, um, I'm, I'm white passing, very white passing myself. So I, I, I think there's some hesitation initially and kind of why do you, we need your help? But after, you know, listening to them, telling our story, um, trying to get out there in the community more, I, I think that has been, um, a lot of Native folks have been very receptive to the idea um, and and have been happy to listen and to talk and to, you know, even bounce ideas. We, we, we've had some potential opportunities that that we that we've been close to doing, but just haven't worked out, um, which is great, though. It, it's you know, it's a starting point. And um, I think the more people learn about us and learn who we are and what we want to do and kind of our, our mission statement. Um, I think the, the more people we'll um, bring on board and yeah, let them know that we're here to help. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Wayne Soames, citizen of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians and tribal liaison for Mojave Atwa Community Action Partnership. 
In his role, he works on outreach, tribal collaboration efforts, Ojibwe education, and increasing the cultural practices. He leads the strategy at the organization to have an inclusive and equitable approach to upward economic mobility for Native communities in Northwest and West Central Minnesota. Uh, You mentioned uh, Indian boarding school, uh, and I see that you're the grandson of a survivor. Yeah. How has that helped inform, you know, what you're doing now and your life in general? Right. Yeah. So I I actually, I never knew that until last year when I was kind of getting going with the language learning and talked to my mom about it. And, you know, she just one day, she's like, oh, yeah, your your grandma was in, um, I believe it was, it was uh, the school in Harbor Springs, uh, Michigan. Um, over there and yeah just just one day oh yeah your, your grandma was in boarding school with all her you know uh cousins and siblings and all that and so yeah I, I you know I had no idea but that kind of just you know reaffirms why I'm doing this and and you know it's and we, we talk about having the the love-hate relationship with with you know Jibway language and uh, how difficult it can be but that just kind of you know, on those bad days, just a reminder, it's like, you know, we're, we're doing this for those who who suffered and who fought to protect the language and keep it safe and, you know, just keep Anishinaabe culture safe in itself. And so, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, it's a weird thing to think about and also to think about that I didn't know it until my mid-30s, but um, it's also, you know, the probably one of the main driving forces now um, that, that keeps it going for me too. You mentioned love hate, right? And I get, I I kind of get what you're saying with love hate. Can you explain a little bit how your relationship with Ojibwe Moen changed? Can you go into that a little bit more after finding out that your relative was a survivor? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think prior to prior to knowing my um, grandmother was a boarding school survivor. Like I, I always had that option of kind of like opting out. Like, you know, I, I, I've learned a lot. I've learned like enough to kind of pass on to my kids or like, to share with my kids. Like I probably don't need to learn any more language. Like, I like, I, I think I kind of had that, that opt out. Um, but then, but then once I learned that about my grandma, then I guess there was no, like no going back. There was no quitting. Um, you know, I, I'm in that Ojibwe Motaira, the the U program over in Cloquet. And after my first my first session there, um, you know, I came back and I told my wife, because I, I understood maybe like two percent of what was being said there. And I came back and I told her, I'm like, I can't do this. I'm done. Like this is this is too much. Like I'm way way out of my league here and she you know she just kind of reminded me about why I was doing it and and kind of like you know like one day you're gonna be you know one of these people that kids are coming to to find to get help learning the language and but yeah there, there's just there's so many factors that go into it now and knowing that my grandma was a survivor and and the two um Wizawa Benes uh pay bomb is Manawe'e so he gave he gave me this name and it's the the spirit keeper of the language, um, and so now I think I'm like doubled down and that I'm I'm stuck learning this for the rest of my life, and uh, there's there's absolutely no going back anymore. 
yeah, I could see how that kind of <laughs> solidifies the uh, motivation to keep with becoming proficient, as you put it, in Ojibwemoan. Just to add to that, too, like, um, like I never knew my grandma either. Cause she, she passed away when, um, like, shortly after my mother was born. Um, and so, like, I lost all connection to the, uh, the Anishinaabe part of me um, through her. And I, and I feel like that, too. Um, the language is kind of, like, bringing me back into touch with that. And so, and that's, that's been a, a pretty big contributing thing to keeping it going as well. I think it's pretty interesting. You're, you're mentioning the opt, like you have an opt out option if you, if you wanted to, what would you say to people who, who are on that edge of, they can opt out or they could, they could go, they could, you know, be more passionate about it. Like, I'm just curious, that question popped into my mind. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I think I would just tell them, like, go at your own pace, take it slow and, and, and learn at your own speed and learn what you can. And because it's, it's very difficult and it's, you know, you, you just and as long as there's there's people learning um, some of it and sharing some and and, you know, not getting to this point of, of proficiency, but just just having some words in their back pocket that they use now and then, you know, that's still keeping it alive and that's still carrying that language on and and just you know you you don't need to be um, a proficient speaker you just you know you just have some word know some words to know some words to use and and don't don't stress out about it because it's a lifelong process and um you know even a lot of these folks who have been doing it for 10 years who are over at oog with me and you know they're they're still learning brand new stuff too uh, every time they go over there, you know, I see them writing down in their notebook, scribbling something down. So, um, yeah, it, it's lifelong, and keep plugging at it. We always like to ask if, if you had any final, if you have any final thoughts, anything that we haven't asked you. Um, yeah, I'd like to, you know, if I could talk a little bit about, we have a community garden um, at Mahabi. I do a lot of education with the staff as well, and and trying to teach them more about. Uh, Ojibwe culture and language just so they can hopefully better work with that population and a part of that at the main office in Detroit Lakes the main Mojave Atwa office over there um, we do have a medicine garden right on the property this will be our second year you know I started my position I think it was June and it was a Monday and my supervisor was like hey Thursday we're you know get all the volunteers together we're putting in, in this garden I was like all right so Thursday in like a week right a couple weeks no this Thursday so it was kind of kind of a quick I, I knew it was coming but I didn't I didn't expect it that quick uh, but yeah this will be our second year and, and we just you know we have a gazebo over there that you know newly built by by some staff who work over there and you know yeah it's just a place to come learn about you know some old Ojibwe culture. We have sweet grass. We have the red willow to make traditional tobacco, which hopefully I'm going to have in there some cedar and some sage. And then we also do some vegetables and, and kind of the three sisters garden. Yeah, it's just a safe place. You know, if come pick some food, if you need some food, you know, the blueberries and raspberries fly off uh, the plants faster than, than they can grow them. And uh, yeah, and it too, any elders or, or you want to bring kids out to maybe collect your medicines, hopefully once they're established, 
it's a safe place to do that. You know, I, I try, I bring my, my son out to, you know, get our own, our own sage and cedar. And a lot of the times it's on the side of like a busy highway or, you know, you don't know if you're in someone's yard, So it's just a safe place to be able to do that kind of thing and practice your culture. She migrates to Wayne Soames, member of the Sault Ste. Marie tribe of Chippewa Indians and tribal liaison for Mahabi Atwa Community Action Partnership. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Gigawabamin. Native Lights, Where Indigenous Voices Shine, is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.